Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 1 in the New King James. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets. That's a mouthful. A woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets, but it's identifying her connection. This isn't just any woman. This is a woman that fears God. Uh, in fact, in some writings, we actually believe that this widow woman, uh, her husband that passed away was the prophet Obadiah. And so this is a woman that comes from God-fearing regiment, a God-fearing family, knows uh, who God is. Uh, but now uh, she has... Uh, uh, her husband has passed. It says here, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So anybody ever heard the phrase, when it rains, it pours? So she just lost her husband. Now they're coming to take her kids. And, you know, many times, uh, I don't know about you, but life doesn't ever ask for my permission when it can bring trials and tribulations. Uh, when life wants to challenge me, it doesn't take an inventory of all that I'm going through and say, okay, now's a good time. He's been having some up times, and so let's come. Sometimes it will come in and batter you when you've already gotten reports, you've already gotten delays, you've already gotten challenges, amen, okay? And so, you know, she's lost her husband. Now the creditors are coming to take their two sons. So Elisha said to her, verse two, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but, everybody say but, nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go, borrow vessels from everywhere from all your neighbors, empty vessels. He qualifies it. I'm looking for a certain kind of vessel, empty vessels. And do not gather just a few. Listen to these instructions. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it, the jar of oil, into those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. So she's going down vessel by vessel. Fill it up, bring me another one. Fill it up, bring me another one. Okay, just got an assembly line going here of just filling from a small jar oil, all that she had left, into a larger vessel, as much oil as that vessel can hold. When we fill it up, we set it aside, bring me another vessel, bring me another vessel. As many vessels as she can find, they have to be empty. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debt and you and your sons live on the rest. You know, poverty, when we hear the word poverty, you know, many times we think in a financial or a monetary type uh, process or a, a, a financial type thinking uh, when we think of poverty, but we all have different kinds of poverty deficiency, lack. Um, one may be able to buy a Lamborghini but may be deficient in peace. And where another may have a surplus of peace, they might have a deficiency in joy. Where you might have a surplus in joy, you may have a deficiency in money. And many times you have to learn to find uh, how to meet the deficiency and how to uh, come out of the impoverished state. And poverty just simply means lack. It just mean, simply means we're short on supply. When we're short on supply, you have a deficiency, you have a lack, you have an area where you need 
increase, okay? And so poverty comes to us all in different ways. Poverty meets everybody somewhere is missing something. Does that make sense? We're all deficient somewhere. And I don't know what you came in deficient with today. I don't know what is lacking today. I don't know where you need to get the fill up today. But I want to help us today discover how you get your deficiency met. How do we take care of poverty? How do we find increase when it seems like there are, see, see what happens is, is burnout shows up in our lives when the demands on the outside are greater than the resources on the inside. Burnout shows up when the demands on the outside are greater than the resources on the inside. Y'all with me today? Let's try that again. You with me today? Man, let's, let's go. Let's wake up, okay? I'm serious. You took the work to get here. Let's hear the word. Draw the word. Let's draw the word today. When the demands on the outside are greater than the resources on the inside, we end up in a burned out state. We already saw that life doesn't ask you when it's okay to bring challenges into your life. And many times, the times where you get drawn on the most are where you're already depleted the most. Anybody ever been in a weakened state and yet there's another demand? Anybody already got one sick kid and now I got two sick kids? Yeah? Anybody ever got one creditor calling and then something breaks down? And so we've got to find out how to get this, how to get refilled and how to stay filled and how to keep ourselves in a place where we know where to go to get filled up. She goes to the man of God. Not a bad, not a bad place to start, by the way. You may have come to this house today thinking, I'm gonna get my fill up. I'm gonna, Pastor Mark's gonna bring a word and it's gonna be what I need and it's gonna strengthen me. Uh, I'm gonna see other godly believers. I've had people tell me I need to be in church because I need to be around godly people. Not a bad reason to go to church. Some people say, man, I need to serve because when I serve, I get strengthened. Not a bad way to get strengthened. I tell you what, some of the best times of encouragement I have is when I'm busy encouraging somebody else. You know what I have found is that greedy people are always miserable no matter how much they get. But generous people are always blessed no matter how much they give away. I could give away the last cent. I have never heard a generous person, truly generous in their heart, say, man, I, sh- I-, I really regret giving all that away. But I have heard greedy people say, I regret not giving it. I regret not helping them. I regret not serving. I regret not giving. I regret not putting some investment in. But some of the best times that I have been strengthened in my life is when I've helped strengthen somebody else. Where I needed a word of God and I needed a word from God, but yet God gave me a word for somebody else. So she comes to the man of God, but she comes to Elisha with this need. I'm a, I, I'm a woman that feared the Lord. Our family feared the Lord. You're a prophet just as my husband was a prophet. We should be taken care of better than this. How can you help me essentially is what she's saying. And Elisha's response says, what shall I do for you? He's immediately correcting her on who the source is of her supply. Now, let me tell you something. What you trust in is always revealed when something's taken away. You don't know what you trust in until you don't have it anymore. And you become frantic and you freak out. And, oh, that person moved away. Or, oh, that, 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 I, I can't go there for that. Or I can't do this or I can't do that. And so poverty, lack, deficiency has a funny way of highlighting what we really value. Poverty, when something is taken away, has a funny way of really revealing 
where we're at, what we trust in, what we believe in, what we're confident in. Come on now. What you're content with and what you're discontent with. Lack has a funny way of showing these things up in your life. And so she's coming to a source she's always been able to go to before. My husband was a prophet. You're a prophet. You should be able to help me. And Elisha says, what shall I do for you? And then he immediately responds with this. Tell me, what is in your house? What do you have where in your house? Now that response can go one of two ways. One which is the most likely response is, I ain't got nothing in my house. I've already put everything on eBay and Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace that I can. I've already sold that I can. I've already relinquished all that I can. I've used up what I have at my disposal. What I have is a resource to me. I've already used that. I've already uh, put that to work and I still am not able to meet the demands on the outside. The creditors are coming and he says, what's on the inside? Isn't it amazing that the prophet asks, what do you have on the inside? To meet the demand on the outside. When you're deficient, when you're lacking, when you're depleted, whether it's energy, whether it's joy, whether it's peace, whether it's finances, you typically don't start with what you have on the inside. What do we do? We want to gather it from another place, from another source. We want to meet the need with an external source. So here's what happens, is God ends up just becoming a resource to you rather than the source. We use God like a drug. I've already tried this. I've already tried that. I might as well try God. I might see, let's see if God can help me. And then you only want God in your life long enough to fix the problem, to be the answer to the situation. And then we abandon and we neglect him until the next challenge comes up. That's, God has become no more than a drug to some people to get a fix until the next time I need it. And so when we neglect who the source is and we treat God as a resource, then we can't be surprised when it's no longer meeting our needs. We can't be surprised when, it's, when we, we end up deficient, we end up lacking, and we're empty again on the inside because there is something that God is wanting us to draw on today. There's something that God is wanting us, he's pointing to something, and I want to tell you today, it's in your house. Now, I said there's one of two ways we can look at this. I don't have anything in my house. Or the other way I can look at it is, wait a minute, you're telling me there's something in my house? You're telling me that the answer to my problem is something I already have. I mean, think about it. If it's in my house, it's obtainable. It belongs to me. It's near me. Hello? It's accessible. What, I mean, how, how would you respond if you found out the answer to your problem would actually take a lot less work than you thought it would? Was actually more accessible than you thought it was? That it was already in your possession and you didn't even have to do anything else to earn it, buy it, have it, gain it. You just had to put it to work. And so the woman responds and says, I have nothing left in my house except a jar of oil. And it's the thing that is the exception. It's the thing you've overlooked. Because here's the thing. The closer it is, the more familiar it is. The closer it is, the more easily overlooked it is. 
And some of us are spending so much energy trying to solve problems with external circumstances, trying to be good enough, trying to have enough money in the bank, trying to be smart enough, trying to, maybe I need to go get another degree. Maybe I need to go save more money. Maybe I need to go buy this. Maybe I need to go meet this person. Maybe I need to join this club. Maybe I need to move to this place. We're always trying to find the right external thing, the external factor to meet our need. And God is saying, I just want to know what's in your house. Because if it's in your house, it's already in your possession. It's already yours. Maybe we're just not using it. Maybe we're just not putting it to work as we ought to. Maybe there is something that we're overlooking, looking beyond, uh, uh, we're, we're missing out on in our lives that is right there. It's within our grasp. That's what he's saying. Tell me, what is in your house? What is it that you've overlooked? What is it that you haven't seen? Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. A jar of oil. Now, this is a jar of oil that obviously has oil in it. But one of the things is when we are lacking in something, we also get in a position where we want to hold on to any little thing that we have because it's all we have. I don't want to get away. I don't want to give away what I have because it's all I have. You might remember the parable of the talents where a master goes off and he uh, leaves behind talents to three different servants. To one, he gave five talents. To another, he gave two talents. And to another, he gave one talent. And the one with the five and the one with the two had to do what? They had to take their talent, trade it, invest it. Comes there, there, There's risk involved. There, there's opportunity for losing what I have. But then the one with the one talent did what? He held on to it. Because many times when we have little or when we have less than others, we see as what we have as all we have and all that it will ever be. And I can't risk losing this. I can't risk giving up the joy that I have to help somebody else with their joy because it's all the joy that I have. It's barely getting me by. I can't, give, uh, I can't give away an encouraging word because I need all the encouraging words I can get. I can't give away finances. Now we're getting real. I can't give away $20 when it's the last $20 in my wallet. Hello? But the very process that God is wanting to meet our needs isn't with something else that we've never uh, acquired or never seen before. It's something that we already have, we already have access to, we already have it at our disposal. The question is, are we using it? And this is the thing, if you don't lose it, you will, if you don't use it, you will lose it. If you don't use what you have, you will lose what you have. Because the one with the one talent took his one talent and he did what? I'm not going to risk losing it, so I'm going to keep it. I'm not going to put it to work. I'm going to bury it in the ground. That way, when the master comes back, I'll still have my one. Because, I mean, I sure couldn't risk taking my one talent, taking the little bit that I have, and going out and doing something with it, losing it, and then the master comes back and I have nothing to give him. It would be better for me, this is the thinking, deficiency, poverty mindsets, think like this. It would be better for me to keep what I have so when the master comes back, at least I'll have what he gave me than to risk losing what I have by working what I have and when he comes back, possibly have nothing. That's a poverty mindset. That's a slave mindset. That's a deficiency mindset. And this is what God came to redeem us from. God came to deliver us from always having to hold on to what we have. And he delivered us into a kingdom that uses what you have, even if it seems small, so it can become much and it can become great for the kingdom of God. 
And so she responds and says, well, all I have is a jar of oil. But of course, if I give away my jar of oil, then I won't have oil for me. I won't have oil to use for me. And many of us could never think of using our gifts or using what we have left in the tank for somebody else because we only think of if I use what I have for somebody else, I won't get to use it on me. I won't have enough for me. I've seen people withdraw. I've seen people step down from positions. I've seen people draw back from responsibilities. I've seen uh, 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 people step back from parenting, step back from serving, step back from working because of this very mindset. If I use what I have, then I won't have anything for me. Let me tell you something. God never asks for what you have at your decrease, at your expense. Anytime God asks for something of you, it's always to your benefit. And we have to get rid of the demonic, devilish, slavery mentality that says, I can't, I can't, I can't. I'm too tired, I'm too worn out, I don't have enough, I, I have to hold on to what I have. That is the devil. Here's what, here's what the devil will do. If the devil can't take something from you, he will try to make you think as small of it as possible. He will try to get you to think of it as little as possible. See, familiarity is always the first step to a lack of value. Familiarity is always the first step to a lack of value. You instantly lose value for what you become familiar with. You don't know what that marriage could do because it's become so familiar. You don't know what your, your parenting and investing in your children can do because it's become so familiar. You don't know what giving $15 could do. I mean, that, those are the things. Well, I mean, I, I, I've seen people do this all the time. I can't give that. I can't because the, the, the amount is too, it's too insurmountable to, to even, my $15 won't do a, make a debt. Maybe it's not about the other person getting the money. Maybe it's about you giving the money. Because guess what? The person that you're giving the money to isn't supposed to rely on your funds any more than you're supposed to rely on the funds. It's about action. It's about heart. It's about trusting. It's about learning to value what God says he places value on. I'm so thankful God didn't overlook me and overlook my miserable life and overlook me just being uh, uh, just dust in the ground and from the dust I came and from the dust I'll go and, 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 and the sins and the weights and the things that are binding me down that try to keep me from my purpose. I'm so thankful he didn't look past that and say, oh, that's, that's so small. What could that do? No, there's a paradox of potential because you don't see the potential until you need it. You don't see it until you're deficient. And then the very thing God wants to draw on is the thing you've already written off. The thing you've already forgotten about. The thing you've already moved past from. The thing that you've already said, God can't use this. God can't use this moment. God can't use this brokenness. God can't use this pain. God can't use this hurt. God can't, I've been through a divorce. God can't use me. Uh, I've I've raised a kid and they're not even following God today. God can't use me. Uh, I've, I've failed running that business. God can't use me. And those are all the things that God's saying, let me use it. I can do something with it. So, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Verse three, then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere. From all your neighbors. Notice the expansiveness. Now, if we're gonna perform a miracle, why wouldn't God just produce the oil? We've already read the end of the story. We already read to verse seven. You know how this thing ends. We end up selling the oil. 
Why do we need to go through the work of finding all these vessels? Why do we need to go through the work of finding all these containers? Why do we need to go through the work? God, just give me them. See, we don't want a, a, a miracle. We want a magic trick. Right? We want God to snap his fingers and poof, credit's gone. Look at all the involvement that this widow woman who's already lost her husband and now her sons are having to run around door to door on a vessel, you know, collecting system. You got any pots? Uh, yeah. We, we need all the vessels you got. Okay. What are these weird kids up to? Right? She sends her, uh, sends her sons out to the neighbors, door to door, collecting vessels. See, usually we are trying to collect vessels that already have stuff in them. And what's God looking for? God's not looking, see, we look for vessels that we can draw out of, but God's looking for vessels that he can pour into. Shifting some perspective now. Because the vessels I want to find are full of stuff. Full of oil. Full of gold. Full of money. Full of joy. I need to go find a, a, a vessel that is full of joy because I need some joy. I need a vessel that's full of money because I need some money. I need a vessel that's full of patience because I need some patience. I need a vessel that's got a good marriage because I need a good marriage. I need a vessel that knows how to take care of kids because my kids are running amok. I need a vessel. I need a vessel that already contains what I need. And God is saying, I'm looking for you to collect some vessels that are already empty so you can pour what you have into what you have. Pour all you have into what you have. It's weird to ask for a woman that's already in deficiency and in poverty mode to pour something into emptiness. You don't bring a, a widow woman that has creditors knocking her door down, taking her kids away, and give her work to do unless you realize that there's actually something in you that could still be a blessing to somebody else. She's gonna go sell all this oil. Think of all the people she's gonna bless with all the oil and she thought all she had was a jar and she's got container after container after container after container. Keep bringing them. Hey, go get me another one. This one's full. I need another container. And as long as she's got vessels, she's got oil. She doesn't run out. Bring me the empty vessels. So we're too busy looking for something to draw out of, but God is trying to give us something that we can actually pour into. That we can actually add to, not take from. Man, this is good preaching. I hope you're grabbing it. So, you're trying to find a job that's going to get you the amount of money you think you're worth. And so you're running looking for a vessel that already has it. When's the last time you went to your job and instead of saying, what can I draw out of it? You said, what can I pour into it? In your marriage, you're busy believing God and waiting on a marriage that you can draw love out of. When's the last time you poured love into it? Hello? Yeah. It's the paradox of potential. You didn't know it was in there. You didn't know you had it to give away. And as long as you've got the vessel, you've got it in you. The vessel is what determined when she ran out. As long as you've got something to pour into, you will never run dry. So if it were me, if it were me now, I would make sure I never run out of a vessel. 
I would make sure I'm always investing, pouring into, adding to. I'm going to add to every, that, that, that McDonald's line was way too long. And instead of telling her uh, how horrible this has been and Chick-fil-A is way better. And they even say, God bless you. And, and I don't have to wait a tenth of the time I had to wait here. And the ice cream machine is down again. That ice cream machine is never working at McDonald's. But rather than seeing her as someone I take from, man, how's your day been? I know this drive through has been crazy, but you're doing an awesome job. Man, you are doing such a great job there. Clear communication at the speaker. Man, you took my order precisely, and I just hope you have an awesome rest of your day. If I could tip you, I would. Come on now. Rather than thinking about how much of your tip you can keep back at the restaurant because the waiter or the waitress is having such a bad time and they brought your food out cold, why don't you ask, maybe they're going through such a rough day today because the kitchen's been backed up all day and they're the ones having to take the, the, all the brunt of the force. Why don't you find a way to pour into them and be of even greater blessing to them? No, we don't give more tip for worse service. No, we would never pour into when we're already deficient ourselves. <laughs> no, that doesn't make any sense, but neither does the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God works backwards. The kingdom of God is, see, if you keep trying the world system and it keeps failing you, why do you keep doing it? Some of y'all should just try it. Just try the kingdom way. Just try serving when you're tired. Just try giving when you're depleted. Just try honoring when they don't honor you. Just try saying you're welcome to people that don't say thank you. Just try respecting someone when they shut you down to your face. Just try giving away what you actually need yourself and watch God come through for you. No, we want to live in a depleted slave mentality. I, I deserve this. I should have that. My husband was a prophet. You should help me. And he says, what can I do for you? What's in your house? Oh, you got some oil? Let's find some vessels. Oh, you got some more vessels? Yeah, I got empty vessels. They do nothing for you except hold whatever you deposit. And see, God is sending some of you empty vessels every single day of your life in the person of your kids, in the person of your spouse, in the person of your uh, customers, in the service of your employer, in the, in the person of the person on the road in front of you. He's sending you empty vessels and we're not getting it. He said, I want you to pour into them, but you're trying to take from them. Yeah, we got to shift our thinking. Scarcity only causes us to see insignificance. Scarcity only causes us to see insignificance. It all starts with valuing what you have. It all starts with honoring what you already have. I grew up in, 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 in churches that believe in prosperity, believe in abundance, believe in being blessed, and I'm thankful for it. I'm absolutely thankful for it. Not to the extreme, but I believe I serve a God that wants to give me life and life more abundantly. And I didn't make that up, and no pastor I ever listened to made that up. It's found in John 10, verse 10. Jesus himself said it. It's in red writing. I don't believe in a God that wants me to be deficient. I don't believe in a God that wants me lacking and hurting and struggling and challenging. Doesn't mean it comes easy because God will never give to you at the expense of trusting in him. God will never make sure you're so taken care of that he's never a part of the equation again. But he does want you blessed. He does want your cup running over. He does want you being the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. 
Speak to the mountain, it'll be cast into the sea. That's the God I serve. The God of exceedingly abundantly, above all I ask or think. And if you want to serve the God that wants you hurted, hurting and broken and wants to take from you at your expense and just so you'll trust and rely on him and have faith in him, then go right ahead. But that's not the God in my book. That's a God you've built. That's called an idol. But at the same time, I've got to remember where it comes from. I lift my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. So nobody on this planet ever becomes my source. I never treat a human being as the source. You can be a resource. You can be a position of investment that I can pour into what I have. But the blessing and the increase and the abundance comes from God and God only. I was just listening to a pastor speak just a couple weeks ago. He was ministering on, on generosity, and he was talking about, uh, you know, when he was first starting his church. He's from Texas and was just first starting his church and uh, had an individual in his church that was rather wealthy and was helping them, you know, finance a lot of things, do a lot of things, was, was a big giver, but began to realize that the, the individual's heart was beginning to wane as far as the ministry. Started, I'm doing this, I'm paying for this, I'm helping with, that. wanted to throw his checkbook around and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm paying for this, I'm helping with that. And so we wanted to be in a position to call the shots. And so one day he, he told him after service, he said, I want to see you in my office. Took him in the office and he said, I serve God, not man. And this is, the, this is God's vision, not my vision. So either you're behind the vision or God will find another way to supplement and get the vision done. You are not the, the, the end of the world. Now that had to be hard naturally, especially when you're starting out and one individual is making up a cer- certain percentage of income because God will send those people. He absolutely will. There are people that have the gift of finance. They're called kings. In the Old Testament, you had kings, priests, and prophets. And the priests and the prophets were doing the work of the Lord. The kings were the ones going out, fighting the battles, conquering other nations, and bringing in the plunder so that the priests and the prophets could continue the work of the Lord. That's God's structure. And so God will send kings. But we never serve kings. And see, if you get your eyes off of who you're serving and you get your eyes off of, who, uh, uh, of where your help is coming from and who the source of your strength is and you start to rely on man, they will fail you every time, even intention, unintentionally. Sometimes intentionally, but plenty of times unintentionally. I can't be your supply of strength. There's no amount of hours of counseling and therapy and, 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 and giving you a box of Kleenex and talking about everything that you're going through and prayer and healing and visiting and talking with your kids and talking with your spouses and talking with you, which is usually not why people come to me. You need to talk to so-and-so. Well, why don't we talk to you? We could deal with you right here in front of me. But I'm not the source. God is the source. And so many times we get our eyes off of the vessel or we get our eyes off of God and on the vessel that God is using. No, it's a vessel. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, keep your finger there in 2 Kings. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4 helps us understand the value of the vessel. The value of the vessel. That sounds like a good title. Maybe I'll change it. I got two good ones. Maybe we'll put it up for a vote. Vote on Facebook. Which title do you like? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, in the New Living, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. What's the value? What's inside of it? 
This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. You want to hear about me? We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. Or we, we are pressed every, on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death, in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. What's he saying? Don't be moved by what you see on the outside. The only thing that gives me relevance, the only thing that gives me value is Jesus Christ on the inside of my life. And so you'll see me broken down because I'm just like you. You'll see me struggle at times because I'm just like you. I'll have hurts and pains just like you, but it's because of what I contain. It's because of what's on the inside of me that brings value and worth to my life. Value the vessel. Because of what it carries. So all these vessels. You know this happened to Jesus. Mark chapter 6. Just give you some New Testament references. New Testament examples. Same thing happened to Jesus. Yeah. The son of God. Yeah. God in the flesh. Yeah. Walking among us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. But Mark chapter 6 gives us an interesting story. Verse 1, then he went out from there, came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? They're looking at what's inside the container. They're looking at the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the words of wisdom. Where did he get these Things And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Next sentence. Is this not a carpenter? Now they want to reduce him by what he does. The son of Mary, brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. Now they want to reduce him by where he came from. Sometimes people don't like you just because of where you came from. They don't even know you yet, but they know your mama. They know your brothers. They know your sisters. Are not his sisters here with us? And it says they were offended at him. Going on. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there. Guess what? If you reject the vessel, you don't get what's inside it. 2 Corinthians 4, what we just read in the New King James says, so we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Jesus told a parable one time about the treasure that was buried in the field. And the man, when he found the treasure in the field, went and dug up the treasure and went home and said, man, look at all this treasure. No, he went and bought the whole field, the dirt, the problems, the issues, the struggles, the challenges, so he could get the treasure. If you don't want the field, you don't get the treasure. And how many times do we give away our treasure to people that reject our field? And then we wonder why they eventually don't want us. They don't want the treasure. They don't even want what we contain. They don't even want what we have. There's no shortcuts to this in the kingdom of God. God has placed treasure in earthen vessels. And so back to us in our calamity, in our deficiency. Let me give you one more. Let me, let me show you this. Let me show you this. John chapter six. One more referring to Jesus. Valuing the vessel. You've got to value the vessel. John chapter six. Verse 41. We read from this passage a couple weeks ago, I think it was. And in 
verse 41, it says, the Jews then complained about him. About who? Jesus. They complained about the miracle worker. They complained about the one who, this is the passage after he just fed them with loaves and fish out in the middle of nowhere that they did not have access to. He didn't even have to take that burden on. He could have sent them away. But he turned to his disciples and says, how do you think we can take care of feeding all these people? They end up being able to minister to the people, not just spiritually, but even naturally working an amazing miracle. But then he goes on to say, hey, by the way, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. And they're like, whoa, wait a minute. You crossed the line now. You can give away bread, but you can't be bread. And he's like, no, no, no. I don't just have bread. I am bread. That's what he says. And so they complained about him. They complained about him. Because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph? whose father and mother we know, how is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Now, back in John chapter one, we get some insight as to why they have such a hard time receiving Jesus. Why do they have such a hard time receiving Jesus? Well, in John chapter one and verse 44, Jesus is calling disciples, back up to verse 43, 43. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We found him, the Messiah, the reigning king, the coming king, the one that's gonna restore the kingdom back to Israel, the one that's gonna do all these signs and wonders, the one that's gonna redeem us back to God, the one that's gonna put us back in right standing once again, the one that they've been writing about all this time. We found him. But look at Nathanael's response. Verse 46, and Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth. And this is what happens is when you begin to live in scarcity mode and you begin to live in a mode of deficiency, you begin to devalue everything around you. It just becomes automatic that you couldn't even think anything could come out of your marriage because you have watched it deteriorate for so long. You have devalued it for so long. You couldn't even think, you couldn't even go into work tomorrow and expect your boss to treat you like a respectable person because you have in your mind already built up how they're gonna respond, what comes out of that, what that can produce for you. And so what happens is, is this level of familiarity shows up. We go through our life where scarcity tells us what to expect rather than allowing God's word to tell us what to expect. And we dumb everything down. You can get comfortable in poverty. When you first initially take something away, guess what? It's, 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 it's a hindrance. It stands out. But eventually you learn how to live without that. Eventually you learn how to live without somebody telling you I love you every day. Eventually you learn how to live with people treating you like an animal. Eventually you learn how to treat, you learn how to live a certain way. But God never wants us to live down to the level of scarcity. He wants us to rise up to the level of supply. And what happens is, is you end up building even a victim mentality because you get so used to the scarcity, so used to people treating you wrong, so used to never having enough, so used to getting every two weeks, getting that paycheck and already being behind that you wouldn't even know what to do with supply if it slapped you in the face. Nathaniel has an opportunity to come follow the man that they have written about 
year after year, generation after generation, book after book, prophecy after prophecy, history after history. They have stood on this, stood on this, stood on. This is why the slaves, when they came out of Egypt and went into the promised land, could not receive the promised land because they had lived their lives down to the level of their scarcity. They could not rise to the level of supply. And God is calling his people today to rise up to what God has for you. Don't go down to what the enemy has for you. But the enemy has tricked us out of the value of what we already have. Those spies were not going into the promised land to determine if they could take it. They were going into the promised land to determine how they were going to take it. It was already theirs. It was already inaccessible. It was already near them. It was like these vessels. It was like this jar of oil. It's already at your disposal. You just need to know how to use it. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. He said, repent for the kingdom is at hand. That means within reach. And how many people are missing out on a kingdom that is within their reach? Missing out on opportunities that are within their reach because we don't have value for the vessel. I mean, it even tells us in Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two, verse five. I'll read it to you in the, um, in the New Living. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Mainly what he's saying is, is he didn't value the external over the internal. He recognized, God, you've got a purpose for my life. Father, you want to send me to redeem mankind. And so I'm willing to strip off the external shell of divinity and Godhead and Godlikeness and reduce myself down to the form and the stature of man. I'm telling you something. What's on the inside of you is greater than what's around you. What's on the inside of you is greater than what's on the outside of you. But Jesus maintained one thing, the strength of his purpose on the inside, the value of who he was, the value of his worth to his father. And that's when God came through the clouds and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He may not look like the Godhead he did up here. He may not have on that same form and fashion. He may look like a human being, like a casual everyday likeness like the rest of us. But there's something on the inside that is worth it. That's where the value comes from. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. He died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What is on the inside of you is greater than the vessel on the outside of you. You've got to start valuing what you have. Let's wrap this thing up. Second Kings chapter four. Go borrow vessels, verse three, from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels, Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the doors behind you and your sons and then pour into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him, shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that the son Uh, that she said to her son, bring me another. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. The last last point I wanna make as worship team comes is maybe the reason why you're sensing lack, maybe the reason why you're sensing deficiency 
is not because you've run out of oil, but it's because you've run out of vessels. And this passage is very clear to see. As long as there were vessels, there was oil. And I know we all reach points in our life where it seems like we're at our wit's end. And I'm not asking anybody to be uh, uh, not smart about this. There are natural limitations we all have. You can't burn the candle at both ends. You can't say yes to everything. You can't meet all the demands that are on you. You can't meet everything that comes against you. But you do need to recognize there's more in you than you think there is. And I want to encourage you this year. I want to encourage you. Don't. Stop pouring. Don't stop finding a vessel. I would even challenge you this morning. What's your vessel? If you don't have a vessel, you don't have oil. And if you're in a dry season, if you've reached a point where you said, I'm out of oil, I have nothing else to give. If the prophet came to me and said, what's in your house? I would literally say, I have nothing in my house. But I can tell you right now, you have something. You've overlooked it. You've neglected it. You've abandoned it. There's a skill. There's a gift. There might be something that you've written off that said, nobody wants that anymore. Nobody needs that anymore. I'm not even that good at it. Somebody else is better than me at it. I don't know what it is. But you have oil in your house. A little jar. And you're afraid to give it away because it's all you have. Well, the answer this morning is find the vessels. Find the vessel. It might be your kids. Let me tell you something. If you're having trouble having kids, and you want kids, you want a family, and it's just been difficult for you to have kids, pour yourself into someone else's kids. I'm serious. We've been down that path. We were watching other people's two-year-olds and we were watching parents complain about their kids wishing we just had one. They'd be so glad to get an hour and a half break away from their kids and we would just have a blast with them in a classroom while they're in there listening to a message and we're just thinking if we could just have one. So many times we look at our deficiency before we look at our supply. But I want us today, would you stand with me? I just want this to be a moment. We're not gonna take long, but a moment of reflection, a moment of looking inward, a moment of looking internal because everybody in this room has a supply and everybody in this room has a vessel. You've got something to pour out and you've got something to pour it into, but you've neglected it, you've abandoned it, you've let it go, you've let the gift go. The Bible says that the gifts of God are without repentance. That means he's, they're irrevocable. He's not gonna come to you and say, ah, I, don't, I, don't need you, I don't need you to have that anymore. Or, You're not any good at that or somebody else is better. So No, as long as you will give yourself and sell out to the gift of God in you, Chris, I saw a gift yesterday that maybe you gave up on, that maybe you wrote off and you said, I can't ever do this anymore. I'll never be able to do this again. Nobody will ever believe in me. Nobody will ever see me and give me the opportunity, but you did it. You rose up. And you pour, I know you don't have a lot to, I know you don't have a lot to pour out right now. But you poured all you had into what you had. I saw it come out. This is why we're here. You're never too far gone. There is something inside of every single person in this room. 
You have a supply. You have a gift. My circumstances don't tell me what's inside of me. Yeah, I know the vessel on the outside is cracked. It's broken. It's beaten up. People have run it through. They've run amok on it. They've tore it up and down. They've devalued it. But the gift on the inside is still there. Ashley, it's the same thing. Cleaning bathrooms. The whole time she cleaned those bathrooms yesterday, all she said was, I love it. I know I'm weird. I know I'm crazy, but I just love cleaning. I just walked in there. I just said, I had to clean it. I had to do something with it. That's not crazy. That's a gift. That's a supply. So the rest of these people have to walk in here and use a dirty restroom. And you didn't even think twice about it. It's a supply. He told me I could have gone into work today, but I had already committed myself to coming and helping out with the work day. So I wrote, he walked away from a paycheck. I didn't pay him a dime. There's a supply. There's the gift in every single one of you. There are vessels all over this room. There are vessels all over this county. There are vessels all around this world that are have, they've got supply in them, but you got to pour it out. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.